Welcome to the Military Child Education Coalition podcast, the show that illuminates a wide range of challenges and triumphs our military-connected kids experience. My name is Susan Sellers, and I'll be your host for today. This program is powered in part by Wounded Warrior Project to honor and empower post-9-11 injured service members, veterans, and their families. So I'm super excited to chat with Jake again. Um, we had a chance to connect this summer at MSEX Global Summit with a group of hidden helpers. Jake, thanks so much for coming on the show to chat with me again. It's so nice to see you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I love having you on the show. You did such a great job with Dr. Ginsburg uh, interviewing him that I immediately thought of you when we were thinking of a host for the month of the military child. What I thought I could do is just introduce you, Jake, to our listeners, talk a little bit about your story um, so that they can get to know you a little bit better. Does that work for you? Yeah, no, that's okay. perfect. All right, cool. So why don't we start with an obvious question. So tell me just a little bit about yourself. So my name is Jake Dixon Atkinson. I grew up everywhere, moving around like Utah, Oregon, Idaho, Arizona. I've been everywhere. My biological parents split when I was about six. And my mom married my stepdad, who was in the Marines and wounded warrior. Um, he experienced burn pits and like exposure to chemicals and we didn't know how much was wrong with him for like a couple years. Um, so I, I probably knew him for about like six months when the symptoms started really settling in. And at first it was just weird stuff. Like he started getting sick from certain foods. We actually thought he was allergic to gluten for like a long time, which is really random. Um, like I know like celiac, but like it just certain foods would make him so sick, like leafy, uh, stuff. And then like breads. And, um, then he started getting what we call the stuck. Basically what happens is his body kind of shuts down a little bit and, uh, like he can still be conscious, but like if he gets too hot or if he gets stressed, his body's like, Nope, I'm not doing this. So that started happening and that was really weird and we had no idea what was going on. And so we kind of finally figured it out, but, um, over the last 10 or so years, we've really had to work hard to figure out what was going on with him, how to treat it. And we've actually been pretty good. Like we're fighters. So that's awesome. And we take care of our own. So. So, Jake, how old were you when you met your um, stepdad? I was like seven, first grade. I was I was in first grade. Okay. All right. Cool. And so you met him when you were seven. He and your mom got married. So roughly around when you were about eight or so, is what I hear you saying, is when you guys started noticing symptoms um, that were later correlated to uh, injuries that he sustained and exposure that he uh, sustained when he had deployed. One question that comes to mind immediately is how did that have an impact on you? You know, new dynamic, new person in the family, and then these struggles start happening. What kind of impact did that have on you? 
So it took a pretty decent amount of time to get used to stuff, and I was far from perfect. I would always mess up, but like we kept trying, we kept going together. Um, cause like with his illness, it's a, it's goal four illness. And, um, it's not at specific times. Like it's just random throughout the day. And then of course him being in the military, there's certain things that you can do to like a civilian that you don't do with like any military member at all. So he'll attest to this. I was very far from perfect, but, uh, we just kept trying and, we just kept talking about it. And even if he had a horrible day or I had a horrible day, we'd just wake up the next day, no judgments, you know, because we're all trying to get through it together and we'd talk about it. So just doing that definitely helped with my personal experience. But you mentioned like things that you never do with military members. I certainly understand some of the things that you're talking about. But for our listeners, like, can you give an example of what you mean? Um, so big ones with them is questions. You don't want to catch them off guard with stuff. And a lot of like civilian people don't really understand that. Um, if they share stuff with you, by all means, you can have a little bit of censored questions with that. But just out of the blue, it's never a good idea to just go ask them about their experience. Um, because it's a very traumatic and private matter. Um, so just think if I went through that experience, would I want some little kid or someone just asking me about that? Because like trauma, you know? Um, so just censor yourself a little bit and have their emotions and their feelings in mind, even though sometimes they'll give the presentation that they don't have those. I know my dad specifically does that. He's like, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not anything. But um, yeah, just be careful with them and just have them in mind when, when and if you ask something, which like the conversation does come up, you know, so just be careful. Sure. Now, and I, I totally get that, you know, it's more of allow them to start the conversation and let them share what they want to share. But as a young kid, you know, seeing your dad, you know, struggling, I'm sure that brought on questions like being stuck, like you said, um, and that you're, you know, you're not understanding that at eight or nine years old. So what did you do at that age? And then going forward, you're a senior now in high school. What were some of the things you did around the house to sort of help support the family? So at that age, I've always been a little bit of a chef, um, whether actually in the workplace or at home. My mom likes cooking, kind of, but she like doesn't cook because she doesn't like cleaning and doing all that stuff for it. So ever since I was a little kid, I've been helping out. But now me and uh, my senior sister, Kenzie, uh, we go grocery shopping. We cook. Um, if like someone needs to get picked up or dropped off or we need to go grab something. It's either me or Kenzie. So we do that now. But as a little kid, you just try to help out. Uh, one big thing that I've had to do my entire life was check on dad. It's, I don't want to say babysitting, but it's like if he gets stuck um, and he's in like the bathroom or something and he falls and hits his head, oh, he can't cry for help. He can't talk while he's in it. He can 
grumble a little bit, but that's about it. Like he can, so we kind of have developed like Morse code with like with his blinks and um, if we can get a grumble out of him, but make sure that like when he's laying down, he doesn't like suffocate on his pillow or blanket or something. Um, most specifically, I think skateboards are one of the greatest inventions to man because if he gets stuck outside or something, I remember being a little kid and having each of my siblings like grab him, pick him up, put him on the skateboard and wheel him in the house. Um, I'm not going to say that it's easy, you know, but uh, those were probably the big two ones, getting him in a safe situation where he could be stuck and then um, just taking care of him and monitoring him. So I know you said that the getting stuck that as you describe it is very random. Like there's not a, a, a certain trigger per se, except for, like you said, maybe like if he gets really hot or, you know, mood elevated, but does he have a lot of these episodes? Um, have you been able to identify things to make it easier so that he doesn't have to experience this as much? Um, that's a really good question. Actually, people don't ask that very much. Um, so he probably gets stuck. If I had to give a rough estimate, of the last 10 years, he's getting stuck at least once a day, every day for the last 10 years, um, 11 actually. But um, so there's certain things to avoid. Do not scare him. Every single time, I promise you, if you scare him, he will get stuck. It's like the biggest, like if you could get giant rule above the house, do not scare dad. Under that is don't make dad angry. And then um, under that is try to avoid him getting too hot. Arizona actually has been very surprising because he's actually dealt with the heat very well. But like, I remember when we went to California to Disneyland as a little kid, he was stuck 24 seven, like um, actually vacations too. That's something that we don't do. This is a really random point, but because it's just, it's hard, you know, it's hard to find someone to take care of him. Um, and it's hard for him too because he wants to be there, but sometimes he can't. And that's something like that we've had to grow up with. I promise you the way he is, he will always try to be there. And he feel he feels a lot of shame when he can't be there, but I have no resentment for him for that. It's not his fault, you know. He always wants to be there, but sometimes he can't, and that's just how it is. I know it's not a normal situation, but that's that's just how it is. I mean, like you said, it's out of his control and recognizing that it's out of his control and still being such a tight knit family, because that's what it sounds like to me is that you guys are your support system for each other, um, your support system for him. That really is, I think, probably one of your strongest assets. So tell me a little bit more about the rest of your family. You mentioned you have a sister, Kenzie. So I have... On this side of my family, because my family was split, I have three siblings. I have Taylor. Taylor's uh, currently a Marine. He's uh, he's 21. Kenzie, she's 17. Um, and then Gracie. Gracie is my only full bio sister. She is 15. She's a freshman in high school. So, yeah. And then my mom, of course. And then we got two dogs, Dribbles and Nacho. They're awesome. Um, they're actually little random tidbit with them. They can sense when he's getting stuck, which is really, really helpful actually, 
like dribbles she's kind of a spaz so like when he's getting stuck even before he knows he's getting sucked dribs will like go and she'll be like dad go to bed right now so because before it'd be completely random we could be at the store or anywhere and it'd be like okay dad's stuck we're just gonna have to sit with him in the car for two hours while mom goes and grocery shops with the like the cool air on and stuff but she will not let him leave the house if he's getting stuck which is just phenomenal that's really amazing and such a great other asset to have, you know, is to have animals in the house because, you know, research has shown that animals help lower stress levels. They obviously are very intuitive animals to, to help sort of mitigate some of those situations. So it makes it a little bit easier when he, he does get stuck. So did all the siblings grow up in the house with you during this time? So was it normally like you, Taylor, Kinsey, and Gracie or? So... Kenzie and Taylor lived with their mom for Kenzie actually just moved here with us this last year. Taylor though, Taylor was kind of out until he was a freshman in high school and then he moved in with us. So, but for the most part, it has been me and Gracie like during the school year and then like Taylor and Kenzie during the summer. Okay. All right. So it's pretty much been you and Gracie, your mom and your dad, you, as you call him, your dad, cause he's adopted you. Um, yeah. And then Taylor and Kinsey would come in during summers or uh, other visitation opportunities to, to certainly help out. So. Um, yeah. And Kenzie's here with us now, senior year of high school. So. Oh, yeah. okay. Nice. So you have two seniors in the house. I know. It's so nice. I don't have to do all the grocery shopping now. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And all the driving. It used to be kids wanted to drive and love to drive, but now I'm finding like my 17-year-old, she has no interest in driving. What about you? Driving. I just, I don't like grocery shopping. It's like the worst thing ever. It's so bad, but I'll do it. I'll do it. It's all right. That's pretty good. That's why I must say one of the positives from COVID is the online grocery shopping. I'm completely addicted to Walmart online. I don't think I've been inside a Walmart in two years. Walmart because yeah, because it's it's totally it's totally crunch. So I know you met your dad after he was out of the Marines, but you said something that was kind of interesting at the beginning. You said you guys still traveled a lot. So you know that's very relatable for a lot of our active duty military kids. You know transition is is part of kind of just part of the journey you know listeners know like my oldest son went to three different high schools I think they're already on like 10 houses at this point and stuff like that but why since your dad was retired why were you guys having to move so much so um growing up bio dad bio mom we were poor then they split off still poor my mom marrying uh my stepdad, dirt poor, like even worse than before. We were on food stamps for like a long time. Um, and they they would work, like my mom would do like graveyard shifts all the time. My dad uh, was working at the factory. And so with being that poor, we couldn't live in a place near the VA. That was a huge part in it, actually. Um, we lived in some little town in Oregon, two little towns actually called Albany and uh, Brownsville. And 
we'd have to drive probably hour and a half to two hours just to go to the VA because we couldn't afford to live near there. And then, um, so even though he was out, it was still military related, you know? And then finally, once we kind of got our stuff together, we, uh, we lived closer to the VA and we were there until, uh, Corona hit and just the state was shut down. So we decided to move down here to Arizona. So. That's got to be tough, you know. First of all, services that he needs are what hour and a half to two hours away. Um, you know, benefits aren't covering the cost of of a family, and then so that's why you guys are having to move around a lot. And then Corona hit, and I'm guessing those services stopped, or the accessibility of them were limited just because people they couldn't access go in to in person and stuff like that. So you've been in Arizona for how long now? Uh, for, I moved here two and a half years ago-ish, probably a little bit less than a half, but we've been here for a minute, so. Okay, all right, so you're kind of, you're kind of like my oldest son, Hudson, is that, so you started out in Oregon, and then you moved to Arizona, so you've got two high schools under your belt, so with everything going on in your home life and having to move around, I mean, I think the natural next question to ask you is what were your relationships like outside the home? Um, so with friends specifically, it took a long time to get them like accustomed to my dad because they're little kids. You know, I was the exact same way when I first met him. Cause at first when I told them, that my dad was disabled they're like what no he's not and i'm like oh yeah he is actually (laughs) so they didn't believe me for a long time actually we're fourth graders but um getting them used to it and getting them accustomed to it was a challenge because that's not something you see every day you know and then in his specific case it doesn't even seem like it you know because it's underlying illness that you can't see So as you got older, Jake, how did you navigate relationships, whether it was romantic or friendships? um, How did that change from when you were a little kid? So as I got older, honestly, I probably got more reserved about it because um, my thought process at the time was wrong. But if you didn't have people over, they wouldn't see it and it wouldn't be a big deal. But then there's days when you have, you just have to drop everything and go home. I really wish I would have done this earlier. I am not good at talking about that stuff. So, like, I feel like if I would have been open about my experience with them and I would have shown them. You can't just tell them. You have to show them because otherwise they'll assume the worst. They won't. They just won't understand. And um, once I finally did show them and I did talk to them, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. Like, we thought you were joking about it. And no, you were completely serious. And just everything just exponentially improved after that. And, um, but it's still weird. Sometimes, like, I remember explaining to my girlfriend at the time, understandably, she just felt like I was leaving. Like, I just wanted to leave her. And I had to be like, no, I promise. So you have to validate their feelings and understand their frustration. But you still have your commitment, you know because family comes first. Um, And then once you've done that and you've been open about your experience, even you just having to get out of there, 
your friends understand it, you know, like, Hey, dad's having a bad day at home. I need to get out of here. Sorry. I know it sucks. I know we've been planning this, but I have to leave and they'll, they'll understand that, you know, but uh, getting to that point, you just have to validate and understand their anger. Like I've set up this whole thing for my friend. We're finally there. And then he had to leave after 20 minutes of me being here or she was late. I actually have a very bad habit of being late because I'm dealing with stuff like that, or I'm just kind of bad at timekeeping too a little bit, which also plays in, but uh, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, people can say that they understand and you show them, like you said, you know, like this is my home life, but I would think to a certain extent, understandably, it might be easier to separate home life from school life, from social life, because then you don't have to explain as much. And I think you'd shared with me before, you know, people's perceptions, they change of you, you know, Mm -hmm. they maybe start treating you differently or um, interacting with you differently. And you really just want them to see you as Jake, Um, you know, not Jake, the hidden helper, um, but ultimately, you know, your family is your number one priority and not everybody understands that because they don't have that same dynamic with their family. Um, so people just don't really get it. You know, you kind of, you definitely have to show them, um, teachers, teachers is hard because you can't show them, you know? So if you mention it like, Hey, I'm sorry, I couldn't do my homework assignment. I was taking care of my dad. They're like, what do you mean you're taking care of your dad? And, um, so I, I have had teachers that I have been able to explain that to, and I've had teachers that I've explained it to, and they just don't get it. You know, they're just confused and they assume the worst. And then, like, as we said, I don't want your pity, but I need your understanding. So it definitely helps if you can show them, but you can't always do it in some situations. So it's just tough, but if you can get that bit of empathy and understanding. Yeah, and I think you bring up an interesting point. I mean, you certainly could share what's going on, but from what I hear you saying, you don't want pity, but you want compassion and understanding. Mm-hmm. So, you know, how do you, how do you navigate that, say, for example, with your teachers? It's, it's a tough it's very tough. I have not found a perfect formula for it, but you just, you have to keep working on it. You know, it's kind of hard when they ask very personal questions about it. Cause you're like, well, I don't know if I exactly want to answer that. I don't know if I should, but, um, every once in a while you find that teacher that just completely gets it, you know? And I actually shout out to Miss Woodward in middle school, eighth grade. I told her and like at that time, he wasn't doing very good. And she actually helped my other teachers understand it better because like I couldn't make them understand, you know. So um, she definitely helped me out a lot in there. And uh, just being open about your experience, you know, like you're not alone. People won't completely disregard your experience, you know? So just be honest. And if you can get outside help, just try to get it, even though it feels like 
I shouldn't need outside help. I'm definitely this way. Like, don't help me. I'll figure it out. Um, so just take the help, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's so awesome that you, you found that teacher, um, as you said, you know, because the right person in your life, whether it's teacher, whether it's a coach, uh, whether it's a counselor, they can kind of just help make life just a little bit easier so that you can focus on what you need to focus on in the family, but then you can also kind of take care of yourself as well. And you, you said something interesting that I wanted to circle back to you that you had shared, for example, with one of your teachers, you couldn't get your homework done um, because you were taking care of your dad. How would you say being a hidden helper has impacted you academically? So academically, it's been rough, you know, like if my mom's taking care of my dad, I don't have time to get tutored, which thankfully I haven't needed that all that much. But like my little sister, I have to help her with her homework sometimes. She hates asking me for help, but <laughs> uh, you have to help them out. And then normally it's all right, but there's just those weeks, man, when everything that could go wrong with them is going wrong. And um most of the time, I'd say 99% of the time, the teacher will understand that. Even if they're not being great about it, they'll be like, it's okay, just get it into me tomorrow or whenever. But um, just ask others for help. And uh, if you can, my older brother actually helped me with a lot of stuff because he, he's five years older than me. He went through it before I did. He actually, he probably could have used someone like me. <laughs> or one of my sisters to help him out, but just ask for help. Um, and then take advantage of your tutors. If your school has tutors, oh my gosh, dude, just go. <laughs> like I had to force myself to go. And that was probably one of the best things I've ever done because sometimes you just don't get it in class. You know, you're exhausted from the day before you're up at seven in the morning and it's just rough, but like tutors are just, the most wonderful people in the universe. They they can help you so much. <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, certainly tutors in the school, Khan Academy, whatever it takes to, to help you to, to stay on track. It's easier, I think, to identify military kids. You know, there's always a celebration, month of the military child. People are always very quick to say, oh, you know, my dad, my stepdad, they're veterans, or, you know, my mom's at active duty, but to recognize those that are hidden helpers, like, that's a little trickier, because have you known any, anybody else that was a hidden helper besides yourself growing up? Um, so, obviously, I met a bunch of them at the summer thing with MSEC, the Global Summit, but um, I recently just found out a girl that I've known for two, three years as a hidden helper. Um, I have government with her and I had absolutely no idea. I didn't even know she was a military kid. And um, we had to do a presentation on the PACT Act, which is, that was signed in 2022. And that specifically deals with my dad. So that's how I know what it was. Uh, my mom was actually like a huge a uh, rally person for that, working with senators and stuff. So that deals with chemical exposure, burn pits. And then, so I'm talking about that, and she just casually mentions that her dad was hit with an IED in Afghanistan. 
and I just looked over at her and I was like, what? What do you mean? Where has this been? I've known her for two, three years, just no idea. And so we've been talking about that a bit. And it was kind of eye-opening because, like, there's other military kids at my school. We're in a pretty highly military, like, condensed area. But um, even when you feel like you're alone, you're not. There's still people out there. It's just a matter of finding them. So how do you think meeting other hidden helpers other mill teens that have a similar background to you. How do you think that's had an impact on you? So to a degree, I have felt very isolated with it because obviously my dad physically disabled, like he's blind in one eye, like there's just so much stuff he can't do. And me growing up having to get accustomed to that and helping it out. Like there's been days when I've had to just drop everything and go home, you know, because dad's having an episode just need to help him out. Um, so meeting military kids like that, specifically the hidden helpers was just insane. Uh, you were actually in the room when we had the conversation about all the weird little kooks and stuff and um, the things that our dads do. And it was just so eye-opening because they have such a different experience, but it's the same, you know, if that makes any sense. It's just it was so mind-boggling to see that with other people. And I still talk to a decent number of them today. Like, I'll just text them occasionally and see how they're going and how everything's going with their parents. And it's just, once you find those connections, those are lifelong connections because those are one of maybe nine people that I know in the entire world that have the same experience as I do. So you're never truly alone. Maybe there's not very many people that have that, but they are out there. And I, I would think that in a certain way, it validates how you grew up. Because mm -hmm. as you said, you, you felt kind of isolated. There are military kids around you. But since oftentimes we don't discuss in our community, particularly the invisible wounds that our service members are experiencing, uh, I can only imagine just sort of the validation of some of the nuances or the unique situations that happen in the home to hear other kids also experience those as well. I would think that would really have an impact on you in terms of just, just making you feel better about like what's been going on in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I know we're going to talk a little bit more in some episodes that you're going to host with some other hidden helpers, um, specifically kind of like your plans for the future, uh, that sort of thing. So we want our listeners to tune into those. You know, what would you suggest to say kids that are experiencing some of these same things that you have experienced? How would you handle it differently? Or what advice would you give to them? Um, it's okay to be frustrated with your situation. I, I actually felt a lot of guilt about that, because I was angry about the stuff that happened with my dad as I'm sure everyone is, especially the military member, um, it is okay to be angry. Sometimes the situation just sucks and there's not much you can do about it. But um, if you just find connections and you just work with your family and with your friends, you can make it fine. Um, I didn't really have friends over much growing up. I would always be out. Uh, part of that is just me not wanting to be a, in the house, you know, but um, 
the other part is like, I don't want to give them a bad impression. I don't want to have my dad have an episode while they're here. Cause that, that'd be a weird thing for a kid to see, you know, honestly, that's just how it is. Like little Jimmy goes home and he tells his mom, like, yeah, my friend's dad, like he just collapsed while he was there. That doesn't sound good, but, um, just be honest about your situation. Um, tell it how it is. And, um, so how do you navigate the difference? I know we talked about this, but I want to circle back to it. You had a really great statement. You said, I don't want your pity, but I do want your understanding. So how do you accomplish that? How do you get people to move past and not just pity your situation? You have to take a certain amount of like humility to it. Um, me, I don't overshare. Like, I'm very specific about what I say. And um, if people want to know more, I'll tell them. Um, But needing their understanding is crucial because they'll just misinterpret how the situation is because they're not living it. That's not something that all the regular kids experience, you know? just seriously, I, if I can hammer in one point today, it's just be honest. Even if it makes you feel kind of uncomfortable and like, you're like, oh, I don't want them to pity me. If you feel like they're going to pity you, they're probably going to pity you, honestly. But if you're very explicit about your situation and you tell them how it is and you're like, this doesn't change me, this, this doesn't change how I am. I'm still, to a degree, a normal kid, you know, but just if I have to leave one day, it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I don't want to spend time with you. It's just because I can't. I kind of have to mention my cousin a little bit in this. He's my best friend. Um, And, like, over the course of the years, he has been the one person that I have told everything to. I have no, I have no secrets from him, like, absolutely none, and just having that one person for emotional support has literally gotten me through every single day. The only reason like I've been able to make it here and my family is because I had that one person I could talk to because he was just so understanding. Um, I love you, Thomas. Thank you for that. Um, Just if you can find that one person that you can tell the situation to, and this, this isn't even just for military kids or hidden heroes. This is for anybody listening to this. Find that one person that you can have that conversation with where you don't fear judgment at all. It's just tell it how it is, even if you're wrong, even if you're so wrong, especially if you're super wrong in that situation, because they'll just be there for you and they'll help you out. And um, it just makes everything just so much better. Yeah, it is really amazing if you can have somebody that is just available to listen. Not necessarily to fix your problems, not necessarily to tell you what you're doing wrong, but just to listen to you. Because so often we're so busy in our lives that we're just constantly go, 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 or dealing with what's going on that you don't, you internalize a lot of stuff and then you don't have that opportunity to process it. Having a cousin like you have, I think is such a blessing because that gives you that opportunity to process the things that you were going through and 
to either vent, get it off your chest, feel validated, you know, whatever. Um, but you're so right. Everybody needs at least one person. So I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad that you had that. And I guess what I'd like to do is closing out. Why is it so important for you to come on the show and to be the guest host specifically related to uh, the topic of Hidden Helpers? So as I said before, there's not a lot of us, but we are out there and I definitely feel like me sharing my experience does a lot more good than me not saying anything about it can. Maybe there's a little bit of selfish reasoning in there too, because teacher, I can show them this and it should say everything for me perfectly, but with other people, like just helping them and helping them know that they're not alone. Cause I have a very weird, um, not common experience with, even just being a military kid and then being um, the son of a wounded warrior. So if I can just make someone stay a little bit brighter, knowing that their feelings are validated with it, because I promise you getting frustrated with it, don't feel bad about it. It's how it is. Don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up if you have a bad day or they have a bad day or you say the wrong thing or you do the wrong thing. If you have good intentions, I promise you that everything will work out just fine. Awesome. You, I, honestly, I could keep talking to you for like another hour and a half. I'm really glad you came on to chat with me yeah. today. And I really appreciate you just sharing a little bit about who you are. And for our listeners, please tune in to um, the other interview that Jake is going to be doing coming up next. You're going to learn even more about him and where his experience is going to lead him for his future plans. Thanks for listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. If you've enjoyed this episode, like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to leave us a comment to let us know the topics you want to hear more about. We'd like to give a special thanks again to the Wounded Warrior Project for supporting this episode. And we hope you will too by giving today's show a five-star rating. For more information about MSEC programs, go to militarychild.org. I'm Susan Sellers. Until next time, live a great story.